This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom, everyone, and welcome to Shabbos Kerev Tony number eight. This amazing experience that we are having together, and uh, this is the first uh, session of our weekend together. So this is um, one of the greatest things that's that's ever happened. I've done a lot of Shabbatons in my life because I've been working in outreach, uh, working with Asia Torah for the last 27 years. And, the, and so, you know, it's a lot, a lot, a lot of Shabbatons. There is no Shabbaton that is nicer in the world than this Shabbaton. And in fact, I've been in this hotel for all the other programs, which I'll leave nameless, um, but you've, you see them advertised, a lot of these big ones. I mean, if they saw what we're doing this weekend, they'd be, they would like, they'd try to get refunded for all the years they went to the other Shabbatons. Just from the, just the flower arrangements is like, <laughs> that's enough. Like, we want our money back for all the other things we were part of here. Anyway, but it really is uh, the most beautiful Shabbaton, and, and you, you get a sense of the attention to detail. And, and I'll tell you the truth, it's, it's, it's a Kiddush Hashem also. Because we're all used to having things aesthetically pleasing. We have a, a Hungarian eye for beauty and, uh, and detail. But the, but the rest of the world doesn't understand. They just don't understand this because they, I don't know, maybe they see us wearing the same thing every day because the men tend to go in similar outfits. Maybe they think we don't change clothes or something. I don't know what it is, but they, they would never expect us to have this beautiful Shabbos. And, and the, to tell you the truth, pulling it off on the scale that, they, that Shabbos Kerfetani pulls it off is really not a simple matter. I mean, this is like throwing the nicest chasana three days in a row. And it's really, it's really like that. Uh, my job in uh, Shabbos Kerfetani is unique in that the, the graduates of my seminars, the Possible Use Seminar, which I've been running now for 17 years, with uh, over 8,000 graduates, the, the, what happened was graduates of mine from the Hasidish world got together and they said, uh, they said, what are we going to do with our, with our Welt? You know, we can't expect all of them to go to a 24-hour seminar you know, over a matter of four days. We can't expect that. And meanwhile, there's, they really, really, really need something of the personal growth nature that's not another lecture because we've all anyone can click on a lecture or download a lecture or go to a lecture with some of the na- top names of personal growth but all of us know that when you finish a one hour shear or one hour of therapy whatever you're doing for one hour is not going to be reaching anywhere within like a, 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 not within close of your true stuff Meaning the stuff that is really making you stuck in your life, nothing in an hour, and certainly not in 50 minutes, you know, is going to get anywhere near there. You know, I meet people all the time. They, they spend one hour, thera- uh, 50 minutes in therapy to, like, you know, work out their stuff. But what happens in therapy, you get to about the 40th minute when you start feeling even remotely comfortable to start opening up a little bit about your, what's really going on in there, which is, which again, remember is light years away from what's really going on. Meaning, meaning you got 40 years, you got 40 minutes in, you're starting to say, mm, maybe I'm safe enough for letting them in on something. 
which is, again, light years away from what's really going on, which you would have no idea. I mean, this is like, you know how you have, like, stuff you know about? You know, there's stuff you know about. Like, you may know about a good potato kugel, or you might know a bit about business, or you might know, a, you might know Yiddish really well. There's stuff you know about. Then there's stuff you don't know about. Like, for example, Chinese. I mean, I imagine most of you don't speak Chinese in here. But you know about it. I know about it. There's Chinese people. So I imagine there's, like, uh, a lot of stuff I don't know over there, but I know there's Chinese. But then there's stuff you don't know about that you don't know about. You ever thought about that? Stuff, how much stuff do you think in the pie chart of knowledge is stuff you don't know about that you don't know about? Meaning, you know what that's called? That's called the blind spot. That's the blind spot where you, you just don't even know what's going on. Well, I promise you that all of us are being driven totally by blind spot, myself included. Like, for example, I, I would like to think this is the real me, like, sharing with you right now, but I'm sure a half a year from now I'll see how much bluff I was in, in my own bluff of life. We're all bluffers, and, and bec- not because we're trying to bluff. We're all actually trying to be real. It's just that we don't know our stuff. We don't see it at all. So we're always doing our best to be us. But we're, we're, but we're bluffing over the bluff, over the bluff, over the bluff. So we, it's all stuff we don't know that we don't know about ourselves. Which is really scary because someone's married to us. Yikes! <laughs> There's actually someone who's like put all of her or his eggs in our basket. And uh, that's a saying, like, you don't put all your eggs in one basket, but when you get married, you do. You do put all your eggs in one basket. And, and the, uh, not only that, but there's, you know, not only is our spouse dealing with us, but our kids have, like, an intravenous drip line <laughs> from our best and our worst. You know, we all spend so much time worrying about our kids that they should be okay, but who's their worst? What's, what's their, probably the, their biggest threat? Us, we're their biggest threat, which is crazy. The kids we're worrying about the most are the kids we're probably messing up the most. And that's, and that's what segues, that's what segues us into uh, today's topic. And today's topic, which, which it, thank God they gave me really beautiful topics today. It's just I can't remember any of them. I mean, I know the subject. I just can't remember the name of the topic because they really went for my topics they normally just tell me, you know, my topic is what I'll be speaking on, but I actually got real topics this time, meaning uh, menu topics. What did it say? Pardon our appearance, we are building generations. <laughs> Pardon our appearance, we are building generations. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would go to that, you know, go to... <laughs> anyway, the, so that gets us to a very important subject. And uh, just one last word of introduction, and, and that is that, uh, that um, you all should know that I've been running these programs, The Possible You, for all these years, that, they, that I do run them in New York. In the last six years, I've been running them in New York, and uh, actually I'm running uh, two seminars in Muncie. Uh, Sunday, I have a seminar for men, which is going to begin right after Shabbos Karavitani, but I'm not expecting any man to get the green light on that. You know, he's, he's already been gone for three days. I doubt he's going to disappear for another uh, four. But they, uh, it's non-work hours. But uh, anyway, I'll be back in February for a seminar. And, uh, and also women's seminars beginning Monday. And the women's are by day. It's during work hours from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. 
Um, but what I wanted to say was that whatever you'll hear me say throughout this Shabbos is just the outer, outer uh, edge of the work. Um, the work itself is, is very, very deep work. Um, you're, you yourself are doing deep work, but there's a whole other seminar going on unconsciously, which is actually causing shifts to the point where if we could MRI your brain after the seminar, it would, be, it would actually appear different in, in how, it would, how it would work. Um, there's just one thing is people are going to be coming in throughout the session. So if I can just ask anyone sitting on the edge just to come in a few seats, because we're at the point where anyone else who walks in, just come in a bit. Anyone who walks in is just going to get embarrassed and not know what to do with themselves. So just, just give a little room. Okay, here we go. When you distinguish things, like, for example, distinguishing acceptance versus approval, it's really important that these two words, which have, should have nothing to do with each other, acceptance versus approval, that they should never blur. Why? Because acceptance has one definition and approval has a totally different definition. But there are certain concepts of life, certain aspects of life that do get blurred. And if they get blurred, we're in trouble. If we blur these things, there's going to be harm. Now, one of those, one of the biggest of all the distinctions is the distinction between acceptance on the one hand and approval on the other. Let's look into those right now. First, I get my coffee. Thank you very much. Oh, man, this is it. I feel like I wouldn't have to make another bracha because it was like, who knew, you know? Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Ha'elam Shahakol No sugar. funny because I bummed a sip off his coffee at Shachris this morning and there was no sugar. It's good. Ah. Yum. Okay. I'm a cup a day guy, by the way. I don't think I'm some caffeine addict or something. I flew in from L.A. It was an absolute miracle. I mean, I'm eating dinner with my parents in Malibu, overlooking the cliffs. You know, there was smoke rising the whole time I was in L.A. from the fires. And I'm eating dinner with my parents right before my mother leisurely drives me to the airport on Pacific Coast Highway. And I get a phone call saying that Alaska Airlines canceled my flight. And I'm just like, huh? Anyway, the leisurely dinner ended real quick. I didn't even roll up my yoga mats in the back of the house. I just... I had to leave, and I just went on a wing and a prayer to the airport. I, I WhatsApped the Caratoni gentleman and said, like, we got trouble, because I've already been online. Nothing. There is nothing, because all the canceled flights just immediately bombarded onto the other flights. So everyone at the airport who lost their flights just jammed onto whatever was left. There was no flight. Luckily, thank God, uh, one of the great supporters of uh, Caratoni Chavez Rabbi Chesko Kaftal, I sent him also a WhatsApp, and he nails it. He nails one seat. This seat was on a four-hour flight one way. It was more expensive than my round-trip ticket from Eretz Israel. <laughs> That's why I'm here right now. I would never have made it. 
And even that ticket got that ticket right as they're putting my bag on to tag it gets canceled. That one gets canceled. And they're like, listen, there's nothing left. And he said, and the guy says to me after four managers tried to get me over here. Finally, they just say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to wing it. I'm printing a fake ticket. There's a plane leaving in a half hour. Just run to security, go up to the gate, and just see if someone like, who know, got stuck in the bathroom or something. And, and lo and behold, there was someone, someone just didn't get on the flight. And I, here I am. Amazing. Um, anyway, but this is my morning coffee, because I refused to drink coffee before I napped. I wanted to have a good nap. Mm. Okay. Acceptance. The definition of acceptance is that if I live that person's life, that would be me. Okay? If I live their life, that would be me. I want you all to try that. I know it sounds like a long definition, but I want you to get that. Let's try that together. Everyone together. If I live that person's life, that would be me. Okay? I said it three times now. Now it's your turn. One, two, three. If I live that person's life, that would be me. And I don't mean that if I lived that person's life, meaning if I was them, grew up, that, that, that was my personality in that home, in that sibling order, in all the stuff that happened to them happened to me, but everything. Well, that would be me. So then I'm looking at me. That's me. Another way of saying it is if you look at your life as like one long equation, like a math equation, including sibling order, where you're from, what your parents are like, what happened at the war, you know, everything all the way through. And then at the end, you get an equal sign. What's at the end of the whole mathematical equation? What do you get at the end of the equal sign? You, right here, sitting in this room. This is it. You are the end of that equal sign with all the choices you make. And you, therefore, are totally acceptable. You know why? You know why you are totally and 100% inherently acceptable for who you are? Because anyone who would have been through all that would be you right now. He'd be sitting right there. And had you been through everything I went through growing up in Malibu, you know, on the waves and the mansions and all that stuff, and then the trip to Israel and like, whoa, you know, Hava, Nagila, Hava, you know, you'd just be like, you'd be up here right now as a public speaker at Shabbos Kerev Tony. We're all the sum total of all our experiences. That's all we've got. We don't have anything else. So if we want someone to love us for who we are, well, that shouldn't be so hard. Because who we are is the sum total of everything we've ever been through, and so is the person sitting next to you. Are you ready for this? So So is your mother. And so is your father. And I just spent four days with my folks in L.A., and there were moments where I was watching some of the stuff happening across from me, because at age 50, when you're sitting with your parents in their 80s, you know, it's kind of like watching a black and white movie, you know, you're, you get to like, you get a sense of clarity, you know. I mean, sometimes you're trying to see a beautiful picture, but you're like, it's not so beautiful at this angle. I just don't get any perspective here. But then you start backing off, and you're like, ah. Oh. I get it. You know, so often when we're going through stuff, we're like pressed, we got our nose pressed against the situation. 
We don't have any perspective. That's why we go to a Rav. That's why we go speak to a mentor who's got more perspective than us. But the same thing has to do with our relationships, is that we have no perspective. That's why you notice that whenever you go to someone to talk about your parents, they seem to have a perspective that you never, you never thought about. Or you, you definitely leave, you leave that, that discussion. You leave it feeling a little more space for people. But anyway, when you're 50, sitting across from your 80-year-old parents, so my father's turning 89 next month, and you're sitting across from your parents, you have more perspective. But when you're right in the thick of it all, so then what happens is we don't accept them so much because we want to create the world. We're kind of like God. We want to create the world in our image. Meaning we want to be treating people the way we want to be treating people. And we don't want to be treated by people the way we don't want to be treated by people. And if our parents are those people. So then what happens is we have judgment. And we judge our parents. And then we have distance from our parents. I recently had a possible use seminar graduate uh, last year. He called me and said, I wanted to thank you. I said, what for? He, says, uh, he said he, that he just got through sitting Shiva for his father. I said, what do you want to thank me for? <laughs> Maybe he thinks I'm a hitman or something. Why are you thanking me? So he says, he says that, that he sat Shiva for his father. I said, I heard you. He said, you don't understand. All my siblings... They didn't sit Shiva for our father. They sat Shiva for the fact that they knocked him off 30 years ago when they were teenagers and knocked him out of their hearts to survive their lives. They were mourning the fact that they killed him years ago, which is what I call, make room guess, which is what I call self-orphaning. Self-orphaning is when we orphan ourselves from our parents while they're living. Just for our own sense of autonomy, our own sense of survival, our own sense of well-being, our own sense of self. Now, I understand that people need that sense of self. I was at a Shabbos Keratoni a couple years ago, and a, a, a very Hasidic couple came up to me. They were from Williamsburg, and uh, they're talking to me, and he's complaining this, that, and the other about this, his, la- his lady, his wife. And, uh, he, but he's just, he, had, he was shameless. I felt so bad for her while he was speaking. So I finally just, how long you guys, how long are you, are you married? Married? We're not married. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm really feeling bad. So I look over the lady, I'm like, well, who's this lady? And he says, he says, oh, that lady. <laughs> I said, yeah, who's that lady? He said, oh, she, she's married to my shvigar. What do you mean she's married to your shvigar? He says, her whole identity is totally wrapped up in my mother-in-law because my mother-in-law never had an identity. And she gave the identity of herself, where she didn't really give it to her daughter, but she took the identity from her daughter for her. You'll take care of mama. You're going to give mama nachas. You're going to love mama. Oh. 
I was like, whoa. I mean, I almost wanted to like give them two free certificates to my seminar because there was a you inside, not just her, also inside of him that needed discovering if there was going to be another generation of children, but a new generation of children who were raised for who they are. But that's all hinting at a later class of mine that would be in the, in the Shabbos Kerev I'll be doing another class uh, called something like, how do you want us, I forget, it's another great title. <laughs> it was like, let's see if you can find it. It was like, how am I supposed to love them? Uh, I forget what it was. Anyone saw that one? That's going to be a powerful class. Maybe tonight. What's it called? No, not the one tonight. Tonight's men's only. By the way, we have men's only tonight is uh, how to be a, a melech in your, in your home. I've been getting WhatsApp all day from women going like, what are you going to be saying in there? <laughs> Notice it's only after there's no more cameras. Yeah. Boys, we're going to talk. Yeah. Unconditional love, how can I give what I never got? Unconditional love, how can I give what I never got? Okay, that's what it's called. Now, acceptance is, acceptance is, if I lived their life, that would be me. So I can walk out of my house in my strimal, in my becature. Oh, no, it's, it's down there. I normally, when I teach this, I don't have a strimal to wear, but I actually have it. I can walk out of my house in my strimal, my becature, in Yerushalayim, and I'm walking down the street, Chavis, Chavis, Chavis. When I walk around Yerushalayim, it's like a music video. And, <laughs> and, the, and I run into a guy right outside my house with tattoos and cigarettes, piercings. He's ready for me to yell at him. I would never yell at such a guy. I would, I would invite him in for, for a little nosh, maybe for some kiddish. I've actually gotten people out of their cars, which is a real Shiloh what you do, but people are screaming Shabbos at this guy, and he doesn't know what to do. He's sitting there parked in his car. So I finally go over to save him, and I'm like, listen, sir, I think the best thing is that you should get out of your car now and come to my house for Shabbos. And I, I pulled it off. I, one time I pulled it off. I've gotten a lot of thank yous, but one time I actually got the guy to come over. Now, the... Acceptance. The opposite side of acceptance is what? Is approval. What is approval? Approval is that you hold these standards. I approve of you. Approval's going on everywhere, by the way. I mean, every neighborhood. Where we grew up in West L.A., you could have been from, I was from North Barrington. I would meet someone from South Barrington. They're out. South Barrington? Not, not on the same level at all. People from North Barrington, we had standards. People from South Barrington, no standards. And meanwhile, it's a total joke. We're talking about 300 yards down the street from me. with someone I wouldn't even talk to. So when we talk about standards, tell me, of the whole planet of 7 billion people, who has the highest standards of the whole world? Answer, Yidin. Yidin have super high standards, but really, really high standards. And of all the Yidin, 
which, uh, by the way, the Eden are 0.01% of the world population. 0.01%. I tried this in the airport. I was in the lounge in uh, Seattle. I was asking the goyim there how many Jews they think there are. The first lady said 1.2 billion. <laughs> I, her, her husband said 93 million. The person serving the, the beer um, thought there were, there were uh, I think, 1.7 billion Jews. I couldn't get anyone under the uh, 80 million mark, or no, no, 90 million mark or something like that. And the reason why they think there's so many Jews is because our representation on the world stage is like 10 times more anyone else. So they would, you know how they got their number, by the way? Because they, they first looked at me like, I don't know how many Jews there are. How do I know? And they're like, well, let's see. We've got a billion Muslims, a billion Christians, and Jews are a lot more famous than any of them. So uh, one and a half billion, you know, something like that. And when I tell them it's 14 million, they just like, you're kidding. Hey, 14 million. China's margin of error when they do their, your, their census, their margin of error is 84 million people. <laughs> the margin of error is missing 84 million people. Of all the people in the world with the highest standards of approval, it's the Jews. Of the Jews, the Frum Jews. Of the Frum Jews, it's the Haredish Jews. Of the Haredish Jews, it's the Hasidish Jews. Have the highest standards of approval. We have very, very high standards. Now, if we have these very, very high standards of approval, and we let approval get sumished, mixed up with what? Acceptance. Tell me, who do you accept? Answer, nobody. You accept whoever you approve of. Which means, no offense, but it means that I'm coming from California and right now, West Coast, where everything's like energy. You know, I don't mean energy drinks because you haven't been sleeping because you live on the East Coast. I'm talking about like vibrational energy. So, if you have approval, sumished, mixed up with acceptance, so then what that does, it may, turns you into an energy stink bug. You know what a stink bug is? Stink bug is like a little beetle that if you bother it, it, it makes everything smell. It's called a stink bug. It turns a person into a vibrational stink bug. Why? What is the one thing that everybody wants more than anything else in the world? What, everyone, what does everyone want? They want love. They want acceptance. Everyone wants loving acceptance. That's what they want. What does it mean? What does it really mean, love? To be accepted for who you are. Think about that. Think about that. What is love? I know everybody wants love so badly. Every single person's room wants love so badly. But what is, what is it? It's acceptance for who you are. Mm. Acceptance for who I am. Well, how else would someone accept me? How else would someone love me? Well, they would ex- love me and accept me for what I what? What I do. Yudei Asif. Yudei Asif. They would love me for what I do. Not for who I am. For what I do. And by the way, is that love? If someone loves you, if someone accepts you for what you do, are you the one loved or what you did? What you did was loved. 
And that's what's the ultimate definition of conditional love. Ahava shetului bedavar. Ahava shetului bedavar is your love for what you did, which isn't you. It's what you did. Now, I can't be what I do. You know, I could be walking down the street and you could say, oh, who he is is a walker. <laughs> That'd be ridiculous. Because I've got a being that I am walking down the street. What I do is not me. Hopefully it's a reflection of me, but it's not me. And so there's my being. And it's really important to me that you accept me for who I am. Whether you like this speech or don't like this speech is not as important to me that you like me for who I am. I met a kid recently in another country. Hamish, a guy, very successful. And in fact, I was set up with him like, you got to meet this Gvir, and he really wants to meet you, and he's like a really big guy here and everything. And anyway, I meet the guy. Within about an hour and a half of meeting, he's reduced to sobbing. He's sobbing. And what happened? He said that when he was a kid, he had a brother who fried out. A very good Hasidish family, but his brother, his older brother, fried out. And he saw the hell that he went through. He saw the hell that his brother went through with his parents. And ever since then, because of the hell he went through for his doing, for his Yudei Esav, boy, did he have Yudei Esav. Yeah, he was a big doer in the, doing the wrong stuff. And so what happened was he went you know, down the toilet bowl in a serious downward spiral, crash and burn. And so what happened, the younger brother's watching this with big eyes. He's a little Hasidic boy growing up. He's seeing his older brother was like six years older than him. He's watching the crash and burn. And so that little boy said, I'm going to be the best Ingolet that ever existed. And he was the best Ingolet. And he got the top scores, and he was the top bucher, and he got the top shidduch, and then he met, got the top gvir, and then he got, did I just say gvir? He got the top shvir, which means he's a gvir. Just kidding. He got the top shvir. And, I mean, top, 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 top. I'm meeting the guy, he's almost 40 years old. And he's sobbing. Because it was a home that was an ahava to Louis Bedover home. home. It was in the Ahava Tului Bedover home, which means it was unsafe. Because if your home is not an unconditionally loving home, it's not a safe home. It's not safe. Well, think about that. That gets really scary. Because if your home is not safe, so then, well, what does safety bring? Safety brings something else. Let's say you're in a business deal, yeah? And you're, you're starting to feel safe with the person. What do you, you got to do to be able to be in a business deal or a marriage or anything? What do you got to do? You got to be able to what? Trust. Well, where does trust come from? Safety. Safer you feel, the more you trust. Think about it. Safer you feel, the more you trust. Well, if your own nuclear home, it's called the nuclear home, like in a cell has a nucleus, called a nuclear home. That means your, your parents and your siblings. If your own home, if your nuclear home, which is parents and siblings, immediate family, is not safe, well then what's the rest of the world? What's the rest of the world? It can only be less safe. It can't be more safe. I mean, unless it's 7-Eleven Muncie, you know, in the parking lot, 
where everyone feels safe because it's all these wounded kids who finally said we're going to create some safe space for ourselves where you're accepted no matter what knowing you you hang out at 7-Eleven Muncie in the parking lot nobody cares what you did last Shabbos and nobody cares what you just ate an hour ago they've been burned by all the approval meaning all the standards and details and there are a lot of details not just in what we eat and what we do what we wear and what we're saying and 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 even how our siblings are and how our you know everything there's so many details and it's almost impossible to keep up and it's very easy to drop the ikker and the ikker is that the only way you will ever feel safe in your own life and the only way you'll ever make your home safe is to be involved in acceptance in the world of acceptance which means if I lived their life that would be me we have to say that about our parents too we got to soften our view we got to create perspective we got to back off a little so that we can look and say wow if I had their upbringing if I were the child of a holocaust survivor who had nothing but to pull out from my mama her identity and now I was raised by an identity identityless mama who just wanted to rebuild Yiddishkeit and somehow look good enough and have, the, have those high standards. So now I can start getting some perspective and I can start appreciating and accepting my mama. And I, I can appreciate my tata. And I can start appreciating my children. Because the people you love, the people you feel safe with are the people that you, you know they accept you. Think about it. When you walk into a chasana, now a woman would never walk into a chasana alone, but a man might do that. When you walk into a chasana, you know, we walk into a chasana, us men, we walk in and we're just like scanning the crowd digitally, you know, looking for someone, first of all, just someone we know. But we might know a lot of people there. We're looking for someone that we are safe with. Someone who gets us. Someone who accepts us for who we are. I'll tell you the truth, I don't think my personality, just me, Yom Tov, I don't think my personality is as special, and I don't consider myself a particularly creative person either. I'm just a really pretty normal guy. I think the reason why everyone likes being around me is because they like themselves around me. I want you to hop that. And there's probably a lot of people in here who wouldn't mind having as many friends as I do. And as many, you know, totally loving and caring relationships as I do. I'm sure a lot of you wouldn't mind that. And you're probably thinking you'd have to have something to have that. No. You don't have to have nothing for that because I'm really not that creative. My personality is actually a little dull. I know everyone thinks like surfer and mountain biker and musician and all that. <laughs> don't buy into that. Don't buy into that at all. Oh, yeah, that was nice. Thought it was back in California. Burned some incense. So, the... By the way, I'm not making this up. I'm serious. I'm really not. I'm really not that exciting at all. But one thing's for sure, that when you're in my presence, you're going to love yourself. Be that person. Be that person. 
just somehow unglue acceptance and approval from each other. (laughs) Disconnect those two things. Have your standards. By the way, just want to hop one more level. How many of you have lowered your standards to get acceptance? How many of us have been in situations where had we been in our own home or had we been in our parents' home, we would never, ever, ever have done that. But we were so desperate for acceptance that we even lowered our own personal standards in various situations just to feel accepted. We're desperate for it. We're like, we're like starving Ethiopians. You ever seen pictures of starving Ethiopians with the distended bellies and the swollen skull and the toothpick arms and flies all over? That's us. That's how desperate we are for acceptance. And since it is our deepest need, since acceptance is our biggest and deepest need, how can we deny it to any other person? Because I promise you, if it's your deepest need, is to be unconditionally accepted, unconditionally loved, I promise you it's everyone else's too. If you want more love in your life, meaning more relationships, be the safest person anyone ever met. Let people know verbally, communicate. Communicate your acceptance of them. That's it. That's it. You be that person that is a joy to have in life. Give your children somewhere safe to be. You want to safeguard your kids from being in the parking lot of 7-Eleven Muncie as teenagers? You be the safest home on earth. My children will be out with their friends. You know, my teenagers are out at whatever, this thing and that thing, you know, a million activities in Yerushalayim. My teenagers, 16, 17, 18, 19, they come home hours early. I said, what are you doing here? You told me you'd be home at 10. It's 7. They've been out since 4. They're out for a whole long thing. They, they said, we were afraid maybe we're missing something. What do you mean missing something? In our house, maybe we're missing something. You know when parents go out of town and the, the, the maidlach get together and stuff? So there's times my wife's out of town, so the maidlach get together. You know, all the maidlach are there. And, and I come home, and my teenage daughter says, Tati, will you sit with my girlfriends and me and give over something? Give something over, please. And all my daughters are involved, and my sons are involved in healing, healing hearts. They're all doing this. And they're all very different personalities than me, but they're all involved in it because they see the pain out there. Separate acceptance and approval. You become the safest person that anyone has ever met. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.